Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Can you guys cheer for the recording as well? Well, hello Perth. How are we? Hey John, how are you? Hey Glenn, I'm fantastic. We are in Perth. I'm great. This crowd is wild. Well, we got in and out of Perth just in time. Uh, As you know, Sydney and surrounding areas have been locked down, so we're having a turn. We know what um, Melbourne think. They're thinking it's about time you had a turn, but... uh, Look, we're so pumped that we did get through most of Australia. We are still planning to do Sydney and Melbourne uh, at the end of July. And of course, if we have to move those events, we'll do them in August. That's all good. We can't do this national tour without OpenTrader. OpenTrader is Australia's most competitive, self-directed retail trading platform for professional traders and those who want to invest like a pro from $5 per trade. Head to opentrader.com.au. You can set up a demo account with 50K and practice buying your favorite shares and ETFs. So thank you to OpenTrader and thank you to Bricklet. Do you want to be on the property ladder sooner? If you haven't heard about Bricklets, then the time is right now. Smaller pieces of property are a reality. Head to bricklet.com.au for more info. So thank you so much for your support, uh, Bricklet and OpenTrader. Before we get into Perth's recording, you'll hear at the start of the episode, Josh DeBuell and Alex Luck. Josh is one of our Perth-based mortgage brokers from Finect, and they actually supported the local show. And Alex Luck is from Everest Private Wealth. So if you do live in Perth and you need an advisor or a mortgage broker, reach out to these guys uh, and their teams will help you out. And tomorrow, I'll put up a bonus uh, Q&A episode that we recorded before the recording of this show. And it's just a Q&A with Josh, the mortgage broker, and Alex, the financial advisor. So thanks so much for listening. And I'll hand it over to Katrina from Perth to do the acknowledgement. We acknowledge the Noongar Wadjuk people, traditional custodians of the land on which we stand and pay respects to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who are with us tonight. Thank you for having us, Perth. We're so pumped to be here. We're going to get into your questions. And the first question is going to be from Lara. And Lara, if you want to work your way to the front, sorry to make you come down here again. We've got Josh DeBuell, who is our local event partner. He's a mortgage broker. Lara, thanks for writing your question in. What question have you got for Josh? Hi, Josh. Is it ever too early to see a mortgage broker? Thank you, Lara. Uh, short answer is no. Uh, long answer is obviously have to be over 18 to get a mortgage. So I'd obviously advise to probably wait till around then, but nothing wrong with the starting too early. We strongly recommend the more in- more information you can gather, the better informed your decisions can be. So we're always a big advocate to speak to as many people as you like. 
Um, hopefully professional people, because everyone does have an opinion, doesn't always mean it resonates with you. Um, but yes, never, never too early to um, speak to a mortgage broker. So short answer is no, it's never too early. Awesome. Give Josh a hand, everyone. So there's a question here from Jody Miller. And before we answer that, we've got Alex, who is one of our local event partners, Alex from Everest Wealth. So if you live in Western Australia and you reach out to sortyourmoneyout.com and want to speak to an advisor, it's highly likely you'll be recommended to Everest Wealth as they are on our trusted panel. Now, Alex, can you answer this question for Jody? Hi, Alex. How do you start investing? I never grew up with um, any family or friends explaining anything about investing. So I'm literally starting from the beginning. Where would be my first steps? Yep. So um, it's a great question. Um, and it's yeah, definitely not an uh, un uncommon one that we get uh, quite regularly as well because you know, from time to time, people think about you know, shares as gambling and, and stuff like that. That's other sort of common things that we hear from time to time. But I guess when yeah when you when you're starting out you know where do you, where do you go so we've got some great technology um, out there right now and some some great apps that we've got as well which are which are a great way to start because you know you can you can invest five bucks um, which is a really good place to begin with because you need to understand I guess your own um, you know risk tolerance to investing so you know how how do you actually feel if you invest that five dollars and it falls to four dollars on paper for example how does that how does that sort of make you feel um, and that's 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 sort of, I guess, one of the main things, and the advantage of being out it's only it's only five bucks. So if you, if you lose it, you know, you lose it, sort of thing. But which is highly unlikely. It is highly unlikely. Yes, yeah, and that it, it's getting used to the fact that shares are priced, you know, affect or well, five days a week, you know, between between the hours of nine and five. So they they move up and down. Um, Property is is not priced so much like that because obviously we're not we're not putting live you know listed property um, sorry unlisted property going up and down in terms of value but if we could it would probably potentially be a similar sort of thing so where do you start it's basically yeah getting used to your own risk tolerance and, and a great place to do that is through yeah spaceship or raise for example are, are some great places that you can put that five dollars out there and and yeah get a feel for how it moves in the market day to day week to week month to month year to year. Thank you, Alex. And Jody, at the end of the night, just come and see me and I'll give you a code to download and watch Glenn's Investing School. And there's like over three hours of videos about investing concepts and basics. And uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a good start as well. No worries. All right. Thanks, Alex from Everest Wealth in Perth. Thanks, Alex. All right. We're doing it. Let's do this. Got rid of the chaff onto the wheat. Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> Sarah, would you like to come up and ask a question on behalf of mum? If mum... Tracy, are you confident to come up as well? Okay. That's all right. Stay there and keep that uh, we'll get wine company. Tracy. You can come up. <laughs> Bloody... This is Tracy, everyone. There was too much free alcohol, okay? So I do... <laughs> I'd like to make that completely clear, and I do not want to embarrass my daughter because she's a too late. She's an absolute gem, and but yeah, there was too much free up. All right, if if you turn up to my clarity call pissed, I'm going to charge you double. <laughs> right. So, okay, Sarah, you're here with your mum. Yeah. 
Tracy wants to know this question. So mum is 55. Um, she wants to buy her second property um, for investment purposes, but obviously with her age, she doesn't want to be working for the next 30 years. So she just wants to know whether it's the right time as she doesn't want to have two massive mortgages. Obviously buying property at the moment, it's quite high and she doesn't plan on selling the other one. So um, yeah, is it the right time for her? Sweet. Thanks, Sarah. There you go, John. Right. I'll let you take that one. Let's, uh, we'll answer that in the clarity call, okay? Next question. <laughs> yep. All right, Tracy. So what I would be wary of when you're 55 wanting to retire in 10 years or whatever, I'm just pulling a figure. Uh, if you're going to go and buy a second property, got to make sure that it's high cash flow because otherwise you're going to run into a high amount of debt when you're not earning an income, no tax benefits, uh, you're going to be, it's going to be costing you money when you retire and we don't want that. So without knowing the ins and outs and how much income you're on now, I would say if you're going to buy a property at 55 now and hold it for the next 20 years, then we want to make sure it's high cash flow from the beginning. Because the thing is, once you turn magical age, either 60 or 65, you're still allowed to have a mortgage but if you don't pay that mortgage, the bank will come and grab the property. So by high cash flow, we want to make sure that the property can stand up on its own, pay some mortgage and maybe get, get you an extra $1,000 a month. Hmm. Is that right? Am I a property dude now? No, yeah, apparently. <laughs> like, yeah, because essentially you're looking at it as though before tax and after tax is going to be the same thing when you retire because you're not paying tax. Yeah, so your gross income is your net, net income, if that makes sense. So, yeah, you just – I'd need to look at it in more detail and, and by the sounds of it, we're going to do that. All right, next up we've got a question from Nick. You need to read this word for word. Yeah, I really don't want to get this wrong. So my question is, do you guys have any tips for aligning goals and timeframes with a loving wife? Oh, Jeez, this is a setup, isn't it? <laughs> hey? So this is what I will, I say this to when I was coaching couples, uh, and you may have heard this on the podcast before. I would give both of you a piece of paper, go in separate rooms or whatever, and both write down your top three goals each. Okay, you could put a time frame next to them. It could be, you know, build a back veranda within twelve months or whatever that is, then get your three goals each and come together and do a goal reveal and just see what's on each other's page. Because you might see stuff that she wrote down that your loving wife has wanted in her heart for some time. And you're like, I didn't know about that. And she'll be like, you didn't give me freaking two seconds to try and explain it these last 10 years. So what you can do is have a look at the goals. And if there's overlapping goals, well, we've got easy alignment there because we can do the ones that overlap. If not, we can then go, okay, well, let's pick one and we'll both get behind that. Then we'll go over to my piece of paper and we'll do that and work as a team. Make sense? Cool. Sounds like a good plan. Love it. John, do you have any in input? Yeah, I didn't really listen to what you said, but I'll, I'll, um, <laughs> I'll probably be saying something that's a different format but the same result. But I think when, when it comes to couples' goals and objectives, you can't force something on the other person. 
So that's the first part of it that I think we need to be clear on is we're not trying to twist their arm and convince them into doing something just because you want to do it. Um, I think it's got to – you've got to meet in the middle like any relationship in any f shape or form, anyone out there that's having troubles. Um, <laughs> so I think um, from that we then say – I think you mentioned it – having – our own individual goals and then looking at them and, and, and then working a way to be able to get the best of both worlds for, for both of you. And that may mean sacrifice from your end. Yep, because if uh, by the sounds of it, I'm hypothesising, but you might be the one leading this charge. Yeah, I'm leading it the other way though. <laughs> <coughs> Which other way is what that? What does that mean? Well, we really want to get into our dream home. Yep. And my loving wife would like to do it tomorrow and I would like to wait and postpone it and make sure we've got a good okay, backing perfect. behind us. All right, so your loving wife wants to do it tomorrow because of the feeling that we get from being in that perfect dream home, which is totally understandable. Priceless even. <clears throat> Priceless, absolutely. So you've got to give your wife what she wants. <laughs> However, <laughs> if it's going to be fraught with danger from a financial point of view, then we've got to look at the facts. Okay, here's our mortgage, here's our running costs, here's what we earn, here's what we save. If we have this mortgage, this is what we won't be able to do. And then look at that, black and white, combine it with our emotions of getting into that beautiful family home and saying, well, okay, where can we meet in the middle here to get a result? Do you currently own any property, Nick? Yes, I currently own my own home. And we've just sold our investment property, which was her house. Okay, so we did we both bring a property into the relationship? Yeah, correct. Okay, so I would probably suggest, I've known you for a whole three minutes. <laughs> um, do you have a mortgage broker? I do. What I would probably suggest is speak to the broker and just get them to give you some scenarios. Just run the numbers. Run the numbers because to make decisions, we need data. And even if we spend the next three months putting data on the table that we can look at and discuss, it could be good because we can both dream together and, and, uh, and get this show on the road. So yeah, can I ask a, a final question? Do you know what you want in 10 years' time? A happy wife. <laughs> Have you got a happy... <laughs> problem, problem solved. <laughs> So you're going to have to be working 80 hours a week for the next 10 years, right? I would hypothesise if you want a happy wife in 10 years' time, you might want to have a happy wife in 10 minutes' time. Yeah, correct. There's a spare room upstairs. Give him a, Good on you, give Nick. Him a hand, Nick. <laughs> oh, Nick, here's, here's a present for your wife. No worries. <laughs> She's going to need it. <laughs> what? <laughs> the present. Okay, let's have a look here. Hannah Richards, come on up. Yeah. Give her a Slide hand, the everyone. Price is right. Is anyone old enough to remember The Price is Right? Yes, I love that show. Yes, yeah, it's like, come on down, and they run up and there's, yeah. yeah. I went to Ian it. Ian Turpy. Yeah. Okay, Hannah Richards, uh, I'll get you to read this question. Yep. Glenn, I know you say that you're a spender by nature and if I have friends that are a spender by nature and they have um, problems with money, do you have any advice for how we can help them out? Thanks, Hannah. So for me, um, it's public knowledge. Has anyone heard Dirty Mike on the podcast before? 
Yeah, so Dirty Mike's a friend of mine, self-confessed, useless with money. I remember for probably 15 years, I've tried to show him how to budget and do all that stuff. And it just, he would work his way out of debt. Hi, Mike, if you're listening. And then he would get out of debt and be like, awesome, I've got all this money to get back into debt. And he'd go back and buy another car or something. And it was just this constant, like, and I gave up. I'm like, well, I can only help and show you you've got to get to the point. So fast forward, he's got to this point where he's obviously grown up and he's got some solid goals in his life. And that is saving to buy a house. Uh, His fiance, they want to start a family. And it's only really been the last year that he has really got his act together financially. So I would probably say you could give your friends, you could give them a spending plan. But then again, there's no point if they're not keen. So I think the best thing you can do is keep your mouth shut. And if they ask you, you've got permission to speak into their life. And I I don't think you can do anything else. Does anyone else think they can convince someone else? Oh, here we go, Tracy. (laughs) That says you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. That's exactly what it is. You can guide them in the... It doesn't buy it. You can, <laughs> you, can, you can guide them in the right direction and you just you want to hope that they're going to... Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Do you want another wine? You can, you can, can someone you can, buy Tracy another red wine? You can lead a lady Jess? to a podcast and you can make them drink. She has to drive. She's a... She... Yeah, welcome to Perth. Um, You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. And any feedback? I think I've learned that because I I lent a friend money once just to get out of overdraft and assumed, you know, it was going to help them to get out of overdraft, but then they ended up spending quite a bit of it. And it made me realise, oh, it's not that they need help with money, it's that they need help with the mindset. Yeah. Um, So that was a good learning for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think you can convince someone to to be like you, right? (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, you, you, you are flogging a dead horse, aren't you, Tracy? Um, <laughs> um, s- similar, similar analogy. Yeah. No, it's like your horse joke that you cracked before. Um, but I, I will say, let's just, and I love these questions because we can really think and go deeper. What if you took a friend out to coffee or next time you're at coffee and not to talk to them about how bad they are with money, start to ask them questions like, hey, do you have any goals in your life? Like get them encouraged and inspired about goals. Did I give you a deck of cards? Yeah. Play the cards with them. Get a few friends around and say, look, let's talk about our goals and get them fired up. Because I think like with Dirty Mike, he had to get to that point where it's like, I'm growing up finally and I've got a goal. The problem is we've got to get to that point as soon as possible. I've probably got to that point at age 27. Yeah. I wish I was like age 22 like some of you got in the, in the group. Yeah, so. it's amazing. Inspirational, in fact. Can, can I ask you a question? Why, why do you want to help them? I guess a lot of the times that we catch up, they complain about um, being in debt and paying lots of money in overdraft and stressing. And I know they have problems with mental health. So I think this affects their mental health. So yeah. I want to help them out because I'm good with money. Yeah. Well. So you're a caring friend and you want to help them because you can see there's some pain there. So 
in coaching, you've got to hit the pain point. So what's the pain point for them? They're, they're, they're making your lunch a nightmare because they're telling you about all the issues they've got. Well, you hit them in the eyes with that. Well, you, you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to get the same result. You're not brushing them as a friend, but it's in your best interest to hit them in the eyes with their what they're doing wrong. Well, I would also say, like, I would ask them, like, I can see you might be struggling. Have you talked to your GP? Because I think it's a – and for me in my life, you know, for those who have had mental health issues, it's this chicken or the egg thing and it's like I'm bloody depressed because I spend all my money but I'm spending all my bloody money because I'm depressed. So there has to be a circuit breaker. So I think with the mental health stuff, getting some professional help will help break the cycle and then also on the goal side of it, getting inspired, getting encouraged can also help break the cycle. Yeah, and that dude in Adelaide was an inspiration. Like he hit rock bottom before it hit him in the eyes and realised this is going to only end one way and it's going to be a bad one. So he actually had to go right to the depths of despair, Mm. I mean a whole heap of debt, to realise, hang on, I've got to change the way I go about it. And, And maybe you can't help them. That's the unfortunate thing about it. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. All right, we're back. Who's up next? Good break. It's a good break, isn't it? Is there an Emma Reed? Hello, Emma. All right, Emma has got a question and that question is... Okay, so I'm looking to buy a property soon and I'm wanting to know um, what to look for to know what areas will increase in value for the future. So what to look out for when looking in particular areas. And you said the magic G word there, like gentrification type vibe. Yeah. So, John, if, how would you answer that question? Just buy anywhere. Just, uh, <laughs> just hold it and let it get, go yeah. up over time. And Her friend's like, that's bad advice. Yeah. <laughs> John, we're responsible. Yeah, look, uh, there's a whole range of things you, you could be doing. The, the first one I like to look at is historical growth, what's happened in that particular area in the last 10 years, for example. Um, now, that takes a lot of research if you're researching all 12,000 suburbs across Australia. So I think you need to think about what your risk profile is and if you're looking at investing, uh, are you comfortable investing out of your own area? And if the answer to that's no, then you've just trimmed the location search to your area only. Um, but if the answer to that's yes, then you've got to look at alternate markets around the uh, country. And I was speaking to someone before we started here tonight um, and generally speaking, I like diversification. So if, you, if you're living in Perth and you own a property in Perth, can we maybe look at buying somewhere else around the country just so we've got that diversification? Um, so I would look at historical growth, what's it done the last eight to ten years. 
I would look at um, vacancy rates of the area and the trend of the vacancy rates. And if you see this high vacancy, low vacancy, it's a bit of a volatile market. Um, the, the three, what I call PI, population infrastructure economy, what's happening in those three uh, areas within that suburb or town. Um, population growth is one thing, uh, but infrastructure and economy, what's happening in those three areas. So take Adelaide, for example. Uh, there's been some good infrastructure changes in the last 10 years, but bugger all population movement and the economy is a crap. So the only thing that's forced the Adelaide market is the just simple affordability and low interest rates. Now, you look at the last two years in, in any major city around the country and all you've seen is growth, right? And that's not the norm, right? I'm here to say tonight that that is not the norm and you've got to, going forward in the next 10 years, you've got to be more strategic than that and don't expect just to buy any suburb and, and it'll go up uh, automatically. So... Yeah, there's some of the things that I would start with high level, uh, but then for your own situation, understanding yield, knowing what the cash flow is going to bring you in your life, and then ultimately what you want that property to achieve. Did that help, Emma? That's awesome. Thank you. You throw around these words that are in your world every day, like vacancy rates and looking up vacancy rates. Yep. Can you just go back to those who don't know what they are and how we find those? Yeah, so generally speaking, if, if we've got a 1% a vacancy, I call that a week a year. Uh, one week out of the 52, your property on average will be vacant in that particular suburb. Uh, a good website for that is sqmresearch.com.au. You can put in any postcode in the country and it'll tell you what the vacancy rates have been in the last, I don't know, eight to 10 years. So knowledge-wise, that gives you a really good starting point. But what it also does is you can look at housing vacancy rates versus unit vacancy rates, and you'll find there's a, a big discrepancy in that. And a lot of capital cities has been a really big difference in those two dwelling types. Um, so, yeah, I think a normal market is – I aim for 2% and under – if you've got vacancy rates sitting at 5%, 6%, that's extreme in my world. So if someone wants to buy a property and you might have lived in the same suburb for 20 years, 10 years, go to the SQM Research website, put your suburb in, and if the vacancy rate is over 2% or it's not trending down maybe not buying in the suburb that we're living at the moment. Yeah, and people might say to me, well, John, I don't care about vacancy rates because I'm living in it. But how does that have an effect in your suburb if the vacancy rates are high? You see a lot of for lease signs, you see um, some transient movement, you see cars on nature strips, like you just see a, a different feel in a suburb when the vacancy rates are high. So it does affect your... Um, growth in that particular property. Thanks, Emma. Anthony, you've got a question. Should your asset allocation within super match your asset allocation for outside super investments? Love it. So asset allocation, do you want me to take this one, John? Go. So asset allocation, uh, in short, if you look at a pie graph, or just a show of hands, just random, there's no right or wrong. Does anyone not know what an asset allocation is? Yeah, there's a few hands. Sweet. 
So that means there'll be people that are listening who might not understand. So an asset allocation could be, can everyone see this pie graph? So your super fund, for example, if you go to the website of your super fund, it might have a graph of what the asset allocation is. And it's simply what assets are allocated in terms of a percentage. So if you had an investment account and it had a 50% allocation to cash and a 50% allocation to Australian shares, that would mean half of your investment is in cash and the other half is in Australian shares. So within that asset allocation, we've got cash and shares, but we've also got growth assets, shares, and defensive assets, cash. So defensive assets are those that uh, they might provide an income, they're not volatile, they're slow and steady, where a growth asset allocation portion, it might be shares, property, and assets that go up over time. As a rule of thumb, we don't want to invest in growth assets, be it property or shares, if you're going to hold that for less than five to seven years, I would suspect, because a growth asset might be like walking a yo-yo up a hill, might be going down. But over time, we know that the data says it goes up. So most people's super fund will probably have an asset allocation, a default one, to maybe 75 to 90% growth. And within that 70 to 90% growth allocation, it might be split up between property, Australian shares and international shares. Now, we know with super, we can't touch it for maybe 30 or 40 years, depending on your age. So we know the money can go to work. So we might want an asset allocation of 90% growth. But if we've got some goals in our financial life, and we've got an investment portfolio in our own name, that we're saving up to buy our nieces or nephews a home, in 10 years time, we might want to just turn that down a little bit and maybe have an asset allocation of 50% growth and 50% defensive. So it does depend. Uh, if you have assets in your own name and you've got no plan to use that money in the next 10 years, seven years, it might be the same asset allocation as superannuation. So it really just goes back to what are you using the money for outside of super. Does that make sense? Give me a yes or a no. Yeah. Sweet, thanks for that. Emma, can I just go back to your question again? That um, gentrification piece is interesting and I, it actually excites me when I look at the word regentrification. Is anyone else excited by that word? <laughs> <laughs> definitely? I'll get it definitely over there. No? Okay. So I, when I think of regentrification, I think poor cousin. Has anyone got a poor cousin? No. <laughs> I am the poor cousin. Yeah, Glenn is, so he can f feel for this. So take – Glenn and I live in an area called the Central Coast and there's a suburb that's got uh, – where, where I run my office from actually called Long Jetty. It had a meth lab in it 10 years ago. Um, it was pretty rough and when you drive through it today, you can see it's not the Bondi of the world, right? However, 10 years ago, you could buy property there for 250, 300 grand. Now it's worth a million dollars, even though it's still not looking like it's Bondi, right? And anyone who has heard of Sydney, um, there's a suburb in there called Redfern, right in the city. Now, Redfern's location to the city 
hasn't changed. Like it hasn't moved, has it? It's stayed the same distance from the city, but it's it regentrified over the years to become now of more of a hippie type. Yeah, I'd, I'd live there now. It was an ego thing for a lot of people, and Long Jetty has has actually become that in the Central Coast, landlocked to the left by lake, to the right by blue chip suburbs and the sea. So it didn't take Einstein to look at a bird's eye view to look down and say, hang on a minute, this is landlocked, but, oh, gee, if I buy in Long Jetty, what do people think of me? So sometimes you've got to be the pioneer of an area to think, well, if there's a suburb over here for 700 grand and this suburb right here is 400 grand, is that going to change? Is that 400? Could I see that being a 600k suburb in the next five years? That's what I think I would look for if I was looking for uh, regentrification. Does that help, Emma? It does, yeah, sort of what I was thinking. Well, John, we've got to take off. Yes. And I've had a great night talking with Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone here in the room. It's really been great to see you. We'll be back yep. to Perth next year. Absolutely. If we can get a sponsor. <laughs> now we'll come back. Yeah, we'll be back. So thank you so much, Perth. Thanks for coming along. We can't do this without you. We really appreciate you coming out, giving uh, some money up, some time up to hang out with us. It's been great to meet you and we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Right. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.